welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is Episode 5. John and Wendy talk to Kyra Matkovich. I'm John. And I'm Wendy. Hello, John. How are you doing today? I am great. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. Uh, we're getting another cold front through South Dakota, but uh, by the time this airs, we should be starting to see some spring. Well, this is this is kind of interesting. You know, as we pull back the curtain, uh, we obviously are not recording these in real time because right. uh, we need time to edit and reflect and what have you. But uh, this is actually the first episode that will be released since the podcast went live, and so. Um, you know, no, we'll thank folks at the end, but I do want to thank everybody so far that has been supportive and uh, retweeting and sharing and commenting and 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 just a lot of positive feedback and vibes and good energy and and uh, Wendy, I know for one, I certainly want to say thank you and I know you do as well, but it's just been a a tremendous start to this adventure for sure. Yes, most definitely. This is so. This has been so much fun, and I love getting to know um, our guests a little bit more. Um, I feel like I know these folks, but I'm still learning something new each time, and I love it. Well, I have to say, tonight's guest, um, as I told her in the pre pre show, uh, I was walking down the street at Sherm 16, and I didn't want to sound like some blathering idiot yelling at her <laughs> because she is. I just told her I'm going to hang on for dear life for the next 30 minutes, but uh, Wendy, I'll let you make the introduction and we'll get started. That sounds great. So um, again, we are talking with Kyra and I'm excited to uh, finally get to chat with her. Um, She brings over 20 years of progressive public relations, marketing, management, and human resources experience in multiple industries, including insurance, nonprofit, government, and healthcare. So much red tape in all of those. I admire you for sticking through all of those. (laughs) Her passion is people and creating meaningful work experiences by helping organizations build HR infrastructure and strategies that result in fun, inspiring, and collaborative business solutions aligned with organizational values. She's known to be a bit of a shenanigator, love that word, and a troublemaker, and she never apologizes for it. Um, She holds a Bachelor of Arts in Communications from Montana State University, go Cats, um, and is currently working towards a dual master's degree in management and organizational leadership through Colorado State University Global. She is SHRM CP and PHR certified and active in SHRM both at the national and local level and currently serves as the SHRM Foundation Director for the Boulder Area HR Association. She serves as the Director of HR and Employer Engagement for the Nextra Healthcare, a direct primary care program headquartered in Frederick, Colorado. She is often referred to as the, quote, secret sauce. I love that. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Within the company for her ability to connect with business owners, CEOs, CFOs, and HR professionals to create innovative benefit strategies and healthcare solutions for employer groups of all sizes. So, Kyra, so happy to welcome you um, to to our show. Um, And uh, our first question, as always, is what is in your glass? Well, first, oh my goodness, uh, thank you so much for having me tonight. I am I am just thrilled to be a part of this and honored and, uh, you know, especially knowing all the folks that have come before me, I just, um, I'm really kind of um, in awe, actually. And what's in my glass? Um, well, it's not a glass, it's a can, because we do that nowadays. I... <laughs> 
I'm a huge fan of craft beer, and living in Colorado, we have some amazing craft breweries here. Um, and tonight, I am enjoying an upslope craft lager. It's delicious. Ooh, yum. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> I love it. I love that it. That sounds and, and just awesome. The crack of that can is a beautiful thing ah, sometimes. Isn't it? Very necessary. Kyra, I've got to ask, uh, you know, I know a little bit about your background. Certainly your your bio said so much tonight, which, um. is, which is great. But I am curious. I didn't much... expect you to read all that. <laughs> well, I, you know, I start going and I was like, oh, Montana State. Well, I got to bring up Montana State because I lived in Montana and I got to bring up this. <laughs> well, I should probably put a little caveat on there. This always kind of ruins people's perspective because there's, there's Montana State, which most people associate with Bozeman. Mm-hmm. I went to the Billings campus. Oh, Kyra, we are going to have so much to talk about because I just moved. I moved from Billings five years you ago. Did. Lived there for seven years. Yeah. Oh, Wendy, I didn't know that. My yes. family roots run so deep in Billings. <laughs> my grandmother what is like a matriarch of that city. And oh my yes. gosh. Yes. I'm oh, hanging we're gonna, on, we're, folks. I'm hanging oh, on. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> we're I, I I anticipate we're gonna see some rabbit holes tonight, but that's Woo-hoo! all right. So, as, that's what as, editing as is the, for. As the as the wrangler here, I, I've got to I'm gonna try to go back to my original question. How in the world did you get into HR? You no, know, that is always million dollar question. So what's funny about that is um I used to actually say that I fell into HR like so many other people. But, you know, I started thinking about the word falling and it kind of bespeaks of like an accident, which I'm totally accident prone. So it almost makes sense. But when it comes to my career, it really kind of was not an accident. Um, So kind of going back a little bit, when I was in college, um, I was an accounting major. (laughs) Um, Can you imagine that? So needless to say, that was not a good fit for me. Um, In fact, my very first accounting class that I remember, um, my professor writing assets and liabilities on the chalkboard. And I thought to myself, there's no freaking way I'm going to be able to do this. <laughs> no way. And I, I, I think I sat through two sessions of that class and then I walked out and dropped the class. I thought, okay, no, nope, accounting is not for me. <laughs> but at that point, I, I didn't really have a clue what I wanted to do. So um, after the first couple of years of college, I decided to take some time off and just kind of live a little experience life and um, see where that led me. Um, I didn't want to be in a situation where, you know, at my age now, com- completely miserable with the career choice. And so I wanted to be really deliberate about that. Um, and during that time, I'd actually gone to work for uh, KPMG, which is an accounting firm, um, which further confirmed that I would have been miserable as an accountant. <laughs> so um, I, I knew I wanted to pursue a career that involved people Um, But I also really, I've always been a little bit of a, I mean, we use the word a lot, disruptor, but I've always been that way. I like creative solutions. I like the element of unpredictability. And um, so that's why I went back to school and finished up my degree in organizational communications. Um, It had a really strong emphasis in public relations and marketing. Um, So after a couple of years, um, after I graduated, I was working for a small workers' comp company in Oregon, um, and I was supporting um, the president, vice president, and C, uh, CFO of the company and their marketing department. And um, it was really at that time, <clears throat> excuse me, that I saw some gaps in how HR was being managed within the company. 
And so I just asked um, if I could take on those responsibilities. And the president of the company was my boss. And he said, yeah, absolutely. And he was thrilled and super supportive. Um, and ultimately, that company was the one that paid for the majority of my training, paid for all of my PHR study materials and the certification exam, um, super, super supportive. And so that was really my first um, kind of entrance into HR. And that was about um, a little over 15 years ago now. Awesome. Um, well, I've read through in your bio talking about all the different industries you're in and being in healthcare right now has uh, got to be extremely challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think is the biggest challenge facing the healthcare industry, especially within your own organization? Yeah, so, um, you know, it's kind of two parts and, and really it's such a loaded question. And oh, my goodness, you know, I've, I've, I've thought about this a lot. And it's one of these topics that is so highly debated and it gets, you know, people are very emotional and um, very strongly opinionated and passionate about this, um, about this topic, as am I. Um, And so I want to say first that the the company that I work for, I actually went to them asking them if I could work for them because I felt so um, strongly and passionate about their specific business model. It's a direct (laughs) primary care model, which I I really believe is is one of the answers to um, part of the question of the healthcare uh, crisis that we're in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, really, when it comes to face what the challenges are facing healthcare industry, uh, you know, I kind of see these as three major issues. Uh, the first is somehow we've morphed the terms healthcare and health <laughs> insurance to mean the same thing. Second yes. is the, co- the cost of health care. And then third is the cost of health insurance. And so I want to make a distinction that um, health insurance and, and health care are not the same thing. If you think about insurance in any other industry, it's there for catastrophic incidents. For instance, if, if uh, you know, you were going to go in for an oil change or rotate the tires on your car, or get a car wash, you're not going to use your car insurance for that. Mm-hmm. And, and you wouldn't use your home and in- homeowner's insurance to change air filters or paint your walls or install a new dishwasher or, you know, any of those types of things. If you total your car, you use your car insurance. If your house Mm -hmm. burns down, you fall back on your homeowner's insurance. And so, you know, the question I've always asked is, you know, what would auto insurance cost if we used it for oil changes, car washes, and all those maintenance Mm -hmm. things to keep your car running? It would be increased, right? right? And yet somehow we believe that we should use our medical insurance to pay for all of our health care needs, including the low-cost primary care preventive type of maintenance. Um, and it makes no sense to me. So if insurance um, is there to protect us in the event of a catastrophic claim, then it shouldn't be used for the low-cost preventive health care. So then the question becomes, why is health care so expensive? And I think there's a lot that goes into this. But the really simple answer is when you remove the barriers of insurance and all that goes into that, including the coding and all the things that the insurance companies require, you can create a model of healthcare that is low cost and allows the provider to spend more time with their patients discussing those healthcare concerns and how to make, uh, you know, simple lifestyle changes to prevent those catastrophic claims from occurring in the first place, such as heart attacks, strokes, cancer, and those types of things. Um, most Americans are on a high, high deductible health plan with an average deductible of over $4,000. My, my family last year, our deductible was $6,800. Wow. 
Wow. And and we never used it ever. Right. And we're paying almost fifteen hundred dollars a month for that. Um, most people, as a result of that, you can't afford to spend an average of one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars for one visit to a primary care physician after paying for their health insurance premiums. Mm-hmm. So what happens is they, they don't go until it either becomes an urgent or emergent type of situation, if at all. So right. the, the model that we're in actually acts as a deterrent for seeking medical care when they need it. Um, and I think our current model of health insurance actually prevents both the doctors and the patients from engaging in health care. So the question I always ask is for all of this increase in health care spend that we see, you know, from the government, from individuals, um, employers, are we seeing any better care? From an HR perspective, we make decisions every year regarding the benefits we offer our employees and how much of those benefits the company is willing to cover in terms of the cost. And we have to somehow balance that with trying to provide our employees with a valuable benefit. Benefits are the second largest expenditure of our company. So, of course, employers want value for those dollars spent. So, you know, we see in our company as a direct primary care uh, provider, the cost of preventive health care is cheap. The cost of health insurance is expensive. <laughs> so the point of health care should be to keep from having to use your health insurance in the first place. And it, it makes sense from a company perspective to offer insurance in the event of a catastrophic incident. And you want that there for that purpose. But you also want to provide affordable access to care which from a preventive standpoint is much more than a once a year visit with your primary care physician, which by the way, here in the Denver area takes an average of 28 days to see and for an average eight to 10 minutes per visit. So, you know, how much prevention can occur once a year in eight to 10 minutes? (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, and, And we don't want to see our employees struggling to decide between buying groceries for that week or taking their kid to see the doctor because of pink eye. So I think, you know, with these challenges, we need to start looking at healthcare and benefits differently. Insurance is not healthcare, it's health insurance, and it needs to stay in its rightful place. And we need to address the access to healthcare Um, question. And fortunately, because I work for a direct primary care provider, we believe that we have uh, at least answered a a part of that. Um, And through the relationships that we have with our employer groups, uh, we're showing uh, time after time that we're able to address these two questions, keep healthcare costs low and have a positive effect on downstream claims, which has then a positive effect on their insurance premiums. That's awesome. So when you run for Congress, let us know. Um, oh, I'll contribute because um, I'm I'm on board with you there. Uh. Oh boy! You know it's actually really really fun. It's these kinds of conversations that I love to have with other HR professionals, with CFOs, with CEOs and company owners. Um, you know, it, it's it's a really tough, passionate um, kind of question, but. You know, I think it's worth spending the time answering that. And and really, I think there's some really simple answers that um, sometimes uh, politicians tend to overlook. We we go for the complex or uh, we try to solve the we try to come up with an easy solution when it's not, you know, that simple. Right. Sometimes. Yep. So so Kyra, you not only did I know you thought a lot about that and I appreciate that. I, I agree with so many of the points that you made you also are a very good proofreader and uh, <laughs> when i sent over questions uh, 
I asked, I asked the original question that was not necessarily yeah. right, but uh, as, uh, as Wendy mentioned, your your job title includes employer engagement. So yeah. can you talk a little bit about what that part of your job entails? And then <laughs> if you're working with employers in that regard, how do you balance that with being the, the HR person, you know, the director for your own employees? Yeah, so it's funny. This uh, the title always throws people. Uh, we we've seen employee engagement a lot, but what the heck is employer engagement? <laughs> so basically, in my company, what employer engagement is, um, it's business development. But um, because we see it as much more than business development, which essentially is sales, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because of my experience on the HR side, I'm able to connect with. CEOs, CFOs, HR, and their broker teams um, in assisting them in developing a benefit strategy that makes sense. So we use the term employer engagement to describe how we, as NextEra Healthcare um, program providers, um, engage the employer in this process and the the mutual desire to provide an exceptional healthcare benefit to their employees. And really about 50 to 70 percent of my position is employer engagement. So then the second part of your question is, you know, how do you balance that with being internal Um, and really you know, the, the internal HR is is my wheelhouse. I That's the part of my position that I really, really love. I mean, I love all of it, but I love digging in with my company, with my employees. Um, we're a small company. We have 17 employees right now. Soon uh, we'll be over 20. Um, but I don't have hundreds of employees that I'm supporting. I mean, that said, it still requires dedicated time to interact with the employees and build those value-added HR programs that help support uh, the employees and the goals of the company. But, um, you know, to, I, I just, you know, it's one of those things you just you just do it. You know, if, if somebody, if an employee needs to talk, I stop what I'm doing and I talk. Um, we work in a pretty small environment, and so I, I tend to work kind of in the midst of where everybody is. And so I always have my eyes and ears open to kind of get a, you know, get a feel and keep a gauge on what's happening inside the organization. And, and uh, you know, so far it's been a, a good balance. Um, at some point, our company may grow to a point where that's not, um, I'm not able to do that. But right now I, I, I am. Awesome. Okay, so Carrie, it is safe to say that you came up with the HR shenanigans hashtag, <laughs> and I'm proud to say I can now spell shenanigans because of that. So, <laughs> <laughs> woo! Good uh, job. So how? Yeah, hey, something good came out of it. Uh, but how, how do you balance the shenanigans? And you mentioned mm-hmm. it in your bio too, with the seriousness um, in the workplace. Yeah, you know, listen. Fun should happen all the time. You know, I, how much time do we spend at work? We're, we're with the people we work with way more often than we're in our personal lives. And, and to me, I can't make that separation. I like to have fun. I love to laugh. I like to make other people laugh. Um, I've always been kind of a goofball and, in you know, maybe a little inappropriate at times. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think that oftentimes we take our, work far more seriously than we need to. And there's always room for fun. There's always room for, you know, just whether it's jokes or, I don't know, spontaneously singing a song that other people join in or, you know, holding your own Olympic events in the office. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, whatever it is, there's always room to take time out to enjoy each other and playing together. Our motto in our organization is work hard, play hard, and um, and we do both. I love it. I love it. Well, Kyra, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the half-hour question connection. Ah, so these are the questions that everybody um, gets and, and answers for us. So our first one um, is, do you remember how you connected with us? I do. So um, I believe it was around the fall of 2015. Um, so I had previous that year in June, um, I believe it is a Las Vegas um, SHRM conference that year. I got connected on Twitter with Steve Brown. And of course, once you get connected with Steve, you connect with everyone. Right. And um, so it was shortly after that. I think it was in that August when there was a Disrupt HR event and I was all over Twitter and, and I'm watching all this stuff had happened. And I had never heard of HR or Disrupt HR ever um, until I saw all these tweets that were coming through. And I started following all kinds of people. And it was about that time that I got connected with you, Wendy. Um, and then it was, uh, I, I got connected with John a little bit more recently. I want to say it was probably later in 2015 or maybe too early 2016 um, when I started following John on, on Twitter. Um, and that was all kind of part of that larger HR tribe network. Mm -hmm. It's been awesome. So. Yeah, sadly, I haven't met either one of you in real life, but I'm <laughs> super excited. I know we've got <laughs> Wendy coming into Denver and March, and, and I'll be at the SHRM annual conference in June in Chicago, so hopefully we'll get all connected yeah. there, too. We will, and, oh, and I will not sound like a blathering idiot when I see you this time. <laughs> just yell it out. Don't so. let it back. Just yell it <laughs> exactly. out. Exactly. Exactly. Cool. So, so, Kyra, talk to us a little bit about you know how has networking helped you in your career, and, and what's been a really effective method, tool, uh, style for you when it comes to networking? You know, um, I wish that someone had told me early in my career how important networking is. And I think there's a misnomer about what networking is. Um, so many people see it as kind of a way to maybe land a job, you know, something along those lines or land the next gig. But um, it's really such a small part of networking. And really, I only see that happening if you've been networking effectively. Um, I see networking as building relationships with people and building a community. My personal motto is uh, build longer tables, not taller fences. I use it a lot. I like to invite people to my table. I love meeting new people. I love hearing their stories, sharing information, finding ways to connect, and, and helping other people get connected together. I mean, I think at the very heart of who we are as humans, we want belonging. And... Um, and that is one of the ways that I find that is is through that that community and whether that's the HR community or a business community or other professional community and then here locally in, in my hometown, um, I see that all all as part of networking. Um, and what's been effective? I think, um, you know, I'm a I'm an extrovert, but that said, I still have some shy in me. And sometimes it's uncomfortable to get out of that corner and into the light and, and invite people in. But I know that other people feel the same way. And that kind of gives me courage that, you know, other people feel that way. We have that in common. And so being open to meeting people of all backgrounds, industries, all walks of life, 
Um, and then being willing to invest time into other people and whether that's going out for coffee or just getting to know their story. Um, you know, I believe that what you give, you get back tenfold. Awesome. Any better. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, this is perfect. Um, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community? This kind of goes back to the networking piece. And, and, you know, I was, when I got into HR, it was probably mm, 10 to 12 years before I felt really connected um, with other HR professionals. And, and, you know, as part of it is because I didn't have a mentor or anybody kind of guiding me. I literally just, I mean, I ran like cannonballed into the deep end and, and I didn't have a mentor or a coach or anybody there. And so I literally had to learn to swim while I was drowning. Um, and so I like to help other people that are entering into this career. And I think, you know, when we think about, and we've all heard it, right? There's, there's people and we see it all over Twitter and LinkedIn, you know, I'm trying to get my foot in the door with HR, but nobody will hire me. And, um, because all the companies, they say, well, we want somebody with experience, but how do you gain experience until somebody takes a chance and, and hires you? And, and I, and I find it kind of ironic as HR people, you know, we're like, oh, you know, hire for a character and person and you can train for the rest. And yet we don't do that within our own HR departments. And so, you know, I think that that's one of the ways that I like to give back to my HR community is by being a mentor for others and whether that's a young college student who has chosen HR as their career and, and they're getting a degree or, you know, and oftentimes, in fact, more often than not, um, more people come to me because they're in a career that they don't enjoy and they want to get in to HR and they're mid-career already. So people in their, you know, late 30s, early 40s that are who knows what they've been doing before and whether it's business marketing or, you know, selling widgets or whatever, um, they like the aspect of HR. And so I think that, you know, when we can band together and I can share, um, you know, what the industry is doing and what we're looking for and what training is going to be helpful and how you network and how you connect with other um, HR professionals through uh, the student chapters of SHRM, through your local chapter, through other networking events, rising professionals, those types of things. Um, I, I love to be there for, I want to make their life and transition a lot easier than um, I think it is for, for some people who are trying to kind of do it on their own. Cool. I love it. <laughs> so, Kyra, uh, like we have any time in the day, but w- when you do, uh, who do you like to read or follow when it comes to mm-hmm. HR insights and gaining gaining perspective on, on the industry? Yeah, you know, well... Uh, you know, I, I get excited when people write books. Um, so when Steve released his HR on purpose, and then you've got Kelly Marinelli that released her, uh, driving great hires. I was super excited. And, um, and I finished HR on purpose. I'm halfway through driving great hires. I think those are awesome books. And, and, you know, from people that we know is just fantastic. Um, I follow everyone uh, that posts the hashtag HR tribe. I find new people to find, to, to follow all the time there. Um, and then, of course, you know, there's the staples like Steve and Kelly and Jasmine Wilkes and Carlos Escobar, Mary Faulkner, you guys um, on social media. I also love following um, Greg Hawks. I don't know if you guys have had the opportunity oh, I know to. Greg, yeah. yeah, he's awesome. And then Brad Montgomery. Yeah. So uh, Greg, 
uh, Brad Montgomery and then Galen Emanuel, they're all key, uh, keynote speakers and they're just like crazy, happy, um, optimistic. And I love it. <laughs> it is so fun talking to those guys. I mean, they and, and they're shenanigators, too. And so they always have some great <laughs> ideas for, you know, practical jokes and stuff like that. It's super, super fun. Very cool. All right. So John and I enjoy movies we enjoy a lot of the same movies looking forward to a lot of them that are coming out this year um so we're we have to ask what's your favorite movie how do you boil it down to just one <laughs> i mean there's genres right like right. my all-time go-to favorite you guys are just gonna probably hate me after i say this but i love gone with the wind <laughs> Oh, no, that's classic. Why would that's we hate awesome. you for that? I don't know, because everyone's are like, really? It's so cheesy and Clark Gable. And I'm like, right, Clark Gable. Exactly. But, you know. No, che- cheesy, old, <laughs> overacting movies, they are the best. They really I are. love it. And, you know, and but most recently, one of my favorites is Lego Batman. So oh, yeah. <laughs> That is the best, best. Batman movie. Right? Ever. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Pew, 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 pew. Yes. <laughs> Love Those it. are varied opposites of the spectrum, and I'm, so I'm curious about the next one. What about your favorite musician or band? <laughs> well, you know, if you follow the hashtag uh, HR Music Share on Twitter, you can get exposed to all kinds of different genres. John Jorgensen um, introduced me to Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats last spring, and I am completely obsessed. Love those guys. <laughs> yep. SOB. Wow, I'm going to have to check those out. Is that an album or a song? Yeah, that's a song, but okay. they do have albums. And you haven't heard of Nathaniel Rateliff and the Night Sweats? I have. I just didn't oh. know. But I didn't know if SOB was a song or an album. That's all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a song. Yeah, they're awesome. And it's a great song. And so true on so many levels. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, back to the visual medium of television. Uh, favorite TV show? So, yeah, I really don't watch a lot of TV, per se. Uh, When it's football season, I watch NFL. But after Super Bowl, I spend the the next six months of mourning and (laughs) binge-watching TV series on Netflix. And so... It just depends, you know, what, what, what series is on Netflix? Is it Walking Dead or House of Cards or documentaries about (laughs) World War II or the Mafia, whatever? I I like stuff like that. That's awesome. (laughs) So if you're not watching Gone with the Wind or Lego Batman, and if you're not (laughs) listening to the Night Sweat, Uh and you're, and you're not watching Netflix after the NFL, because we're certainly recording outside of the football season, what else do you like to do outside of work? You put away all the HR things away for a day. What do you like to do? Yeah, so I'm a bit of a homebody. Um, I just really love being with my family, my kids, and my husband, my dog Wesley, who is like obsessed with licking. Um, (laughs) I love to garden, and uh, being here in Colorado, some great places to hike. I love the outdoors, and I like to putz around my my garage. Um, That kind of goes into the next question, but um, most of all, my husband and I, we love to entertain. We love to cook, and we love just kind of being that place where People can come to enjoy an awesome meal and a bottle or two of wine and be encouraged, have some laughs and just kind of be present. You know, Um, I think one of the best places to connect with people is around the dinner table. So um, I I love to entertain. I love to have people over. Awesome. All right. So you've alluded to our last question. If you weren't in HR, what do you think you'd be doing professionally? 
One of my favorite hobbies is refinishing antiques and repurposing furniture. My dad was an architect and loved to work with his hands. Uh, He designed and built the house that I grew up in. And I remember as a kid spending time in his workshop, you know, just that dusty wood smell. Um, and I think I inherited his love for wood and kind of a secret obsession with, <laughs> with power tools. <laughs> so there's no doubt I love HR, but, but if I hadn't gone that direction, I'd probably be in the trees, I don't know, flipping houses or building furniture or something. Very cool. Well, Kyra, as I tell each and every person, as they've made it this far, I want to congratulate you. You did successfully survive the <laughs> question connection and, and, and our time together. So, and, um, and I'm still only on beer one. Well, you know that if you well, that's by choice, and that's how much you talk and let us talk. True. But, hey, <laughs> I kid, but True. no, in all seriousness, I. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to join us, and this is your chance now, your opportunity to let folks know how can they find you out there on the Internet and out, out there. How, how, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. It's at Kyra Makovich HR. I'm also on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I'm a little bit um, more uh, – it's more personal than business on, on Facebook, but you're welcome to find me there. Uh, my website is kyramakovich.com. Um, you can also find me uh, as Kai Alamode, K-Y-A-L-A-M-O-D-E. It's like Kai Alamode, only Kai, on Pinterest and Instagram. Um, you know, I used to have a personal blog, uh, but I haven't blogged since like 2000, I don't know, 14 or something like that. And But one of my goals for 2018 is to start blogging again professionally. So look for that in the coming months. Awesome. Can't wait. We will uh, we'll make sure we add, add all that to the show notes so people don't have to try and write it down as they listen. But, uh, Wendy, how about you? What's the best way for people to find you? best way to find me is on Twitter. Uh, that is my social media of choice. Um, I am Wendell93. That's W-Y-N-D-A-L-L-9-3. Or my blog, MyDailyJourney.com. Also, be sure to join us on the fourth Sunday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern for the HR Social Hour chat on Twitter. John, how about you? You can find me on Twitter, John, J-O-N, underscore Thurmond, T-H-U-R-M-O-N-D. I'm always happy to connect on LinkedIn. I would ask if you found found me through the podcast and want to connect, please leave me a personalized note. I, I appreciate that. It helps me to understand uh, how we how you found me and why you'd like to get connected. If you have a comment or a question about the show or the chat, you can send us an email. That's hrsocialhourpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find our group on Facebook if you search HR Social Hour. You can find the show at www.hrsocialhourpodcast.com. We're on iTunes, Podbean, Podchaser, and at hrpodcasters.com. We'll add more providers through the years we're able. And if you like what you hear and, and people have asked, hey, John, what can I do to help? If you like what you hear, give us a review. It, it will help us so much to, to gain more visibility as we continue to try to build the uh, HR Social Hour uh, network and, and, and the folks that are out there. Uh, give us five stars. Write us an iTunes review. We'd really, really appreciate that. So, um, Kyra, again, thanks for being with us tonight and for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect. Give back. And... Network. Network. Take care, everyone. We'll see ya.